Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. And uh, we're, we're, we're not talking about a mummy movie this week, and I don't know what to do with my hands. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tyler's been doing the toilet paper mummy hands for the last few right. episodes. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, a, it's a departure. It's, yeah. it's a change in We were talking lives. about this before the recording. It's a little... I don't know how to... I liked that I watched this movie. <laughs> I'm yes. glad to have seen it. It's a different thing. <laughs> Coming in to talk about a movie we're all favorable about. I was uh, going to say, aside from uh, Small Soldiers, I almost forgot what a good movie looked like. <laughs> See, and I missed out on that. So, like, yeah, you've been want- truly wandering in the desert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, yeah, we're back in the MCU um, for a good one this time. Yay! What was the last good MCU movie, Alex? Don't say Eternals. Was it Wakanda Forever? Probably Wakanda Forever. It's yeah. probably yeah, Wakanda Forever or um, see, I all the the post COVID movies always get me confused because yeah. I because I, I can't remember when Multiverse of Madness comes out versus Wakanda Forever. That was and then that Shang-Chi was is somewhere in there. I think it was Shang Chi, then Multiverse, then Black Panther. Okay, um, yeah, then Black Panther. That's yeah. Finally, I, I think Love and Thunder is between. Multiverse and why would you even bother bringing up? Love there, and there, well, I'm just saying, there's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like, well, because I think like Shang Chi happened and then No Way Home happened, and like, right, I feel right, like there is okay. a lot of weird, like, uh, sort of, uh, what do you what do you call it? Uh, not recency bias, but like reevaluation yeah. or or short memory of the MCU stuff because everyone's like it's terrible now, and I like I really think it's Quantumania. I think yeah. I think it's it's Quantumania and nothing else has really been I think we've probably we've probably talked about this with Quantumania. Nothing else has really been strong enough to uh push push the perception back towards like yeah, it's pretty good cuz like what kind of forever most people yeah, are not coming out saying like oh man, that was bad. Like Right, right. Most people liked it. It just wasn't good enough to like get everyone excited again. Yeah. And, well, then, and, and that this, and, and this okay. movie both almost exist outside of the MCU in a way. Not literally. And this one, yeah, this one especially uh, gets thrown out as like, ah, oh, well, it doesn't really count because it's James Gunn, uh, and James Gunn is leaving for DC. So uh, that would be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Alex, tell us about stuff. Sure, that movie is directed by James Gunn from 2023. It has an 81% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 94% audience score. All right, then. Yeah. Uh, This is my favorite of the Guardians movies, but I have problems. I don't agree. It's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think um, walking out of it the first time, I, I've seen the movie twice. Walking out of it the first time, I, I would have said it's near perfect, but I, I think some, some cracks were starting to show on a rewatch for me. Yeah, I, I had some glitches, um, but I ultimately still still liked it. And I haven't seen two since we saw it in the theater, so mm. I, I can't really compare it to that one. Um, but I do like it. I Yeah, we'll, we'll obviously get into it. Um, and we'll start by getting into the synopsis for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which reads thus. Still reeling from the loss of Gamora, 
Peter Quill must Spoilers. rally his team to defend the universe <laughs> and protect one of their own. If the mission is not completely successful, it could possibly lead to the end of the Guardians as we know them. It does anyway. Um, <laughs> the mission is successful. The mission is successful, but then they change to where uh, Groot, who is just Knack now, he's just Knack, um, <laughs> and a bunch of other characters, and we'll we'll get into it. But yeah, Th- this is this is one uh, for me that. I I understand the the character motivation and conflict behind this, but frequently because throughout the whole movie, Peter is talking to Gamora and he's like, "This isn't who you are," and you were like this, and we were like this, and I kept wanting to be like, "No, she literally wasn't." Like she keeps going, "That wasn't me. That's not who I am." And I was like, "Peter, I don't think you." It's almost like this character doesn't really understand that like this is a different timeline, Gamora. This is not Gamora with a memory wipe. <laughs> and I think the movie knows that, but I don't, it's almost like Star-Lord didn't get it. I feel like I had this reaction towards the end of the first season of Legends of Tomorrow, which is on par with this. Um, where I was like, <laughs> you're arguing the wrong angle of this argument. Well, it was not a Hawkman or something. And I was like, the, the angle that you're talking about it from is not <laughs> the angle that would make sense. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. My my read on the whole situation is just him desperately trying to remind her of things that they experienced in this. Yeah, but in, she didn't in, experience in the current times. Yeah, I know, but he, he through his desperation, he is hoping that maybe if I just share this information with her, that will give her some yeah. you know enlightenment, like, or that'll help her I, you know be more ingratiated with me or something. You know. Yeah, and I, I think if they'd been a little clearer that it was purely desperation, not literal lack of understanding. <laughs> I don't know when he I starts think... going on about uh, when they're in the elevator ride yeah. and he's talking to the random lady and he's basically spelling everything out of like, you know, Infinity War happened. I made a stupid decision. My girlfriend died and now she's just kind of a jerk. Like he's going through all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. I'm like, I OK, I've got I've got a complete read on you. I think it's it more I... to Star And I actually think this movie for me does a really good job of solidifying like star lord's characterization in a way that i think it's kind of maybe swung back and forth i think this movie definitely tries to tie the knot on in-game stuff and Mm -hmm. infinity war stuff and kind of like pull it all back together and make it make it work i feel like it solidifies him pretty well as a character in terms of both his growth and also his still very low emotional intelligence (laughs) like being very much like (laughs) i'm mad about this thing and i'm going to keep like pushing on it and like i can't let go of the fact that this looks like the woman I loved or seems mm-hmm. a lot like the woman I loved. And I feel like if I can just get those memories back into her brain yeah. by explaining things we had done together, then that's going to convince her where ultimately I, I, I like where we land on where it's like he, I, I think the, the uh, amicable split away yeah. from her, I think is, really Oh nice. no, I, 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 I like do, the fact that she, yeah. Or we're jumping around a little bit, but I think it it all really works because of the fact that she doesn't rejoin the Guardians and she yeah. does go back to the Ravagers. I think that's a very smart move. No, I, I completely agree. Like if this had ended with her being like, "Let's give it a shot," it would have been yeah. too like. Ugh. <laughs> I I was real worried that this was just going to be oh, so we're just doing like the first movie again of them falling in love, right. but it's a slightly different context. Yeah, no, um, I, Britain, I, I will say, that. I will say, uh, kind of leaning on your your. Uh, 
perspective on this. I do really like when Gamora finally like completely loses it. And it's yeah. like, I am not this person. Yeah, yeah. You need to stop this. Yep. <laughs> You're all idiots. And I do think this movie does a lot of good things for Chris Pratt. And Chris Pratt is mm-hmm. somebody who is much maligned for various things that I don't know if that's all fair, but just in terms of his acting career, just from the Chris Pratt entity, he just became the like go-to guy for franchises that oftentimes those movies watered him down so much. Jurassic world being the the Mm -hmm. main purpose or cause of this, that they're just like, yeah, put Chris Pratt in whatever. And then so many of the other non-franchise things he was doing were so like bland and, they it all kind of blanded him down and i would occasionally see like a clip from parks and rec or something and go oh right he's really funny like he can be really good in stuff and i think he's really good in this i think like this is star lord is annoying and petulant because that's who star lord is um but there's also still something about him that is engaging and likable and fun and i think this movie kind of reminded you that like yeah chris pratt's he he is consistently making choices that don't show off his ability, but when something does, he's he's good. <laughs> and I would like to see that happen more in his career. I watched the Mario Brothers movie over the weekend, and mm-hmm. it's very the 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 short version of my review is once I realized I was not the target age demographic, I both became less interested and more accepting. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he is a perfect. He, he's honestly not a bad voice actor. It's a perfectly like, yep, I'm not upset. Moving on. <laughs> um, but it's not the silliest bit of casting in that movie. Uh, but I think that, um, I think it was just basically what I'm saying. Is it was good to see him get properly used yeah. in something again. He's interesting and I'm very curious where he goes from here because yeah. he's definitely an actor who's like teetering on the verge of becoming sort of a like, I think he's probably better than a lot of these guys, but I'm thinking of like a Jai Courtney, yeah. a um, Justin uh, Sam Worthington, sure. Uh, that Pitch. kind of yeah, like oh, we're just gonna make him a big military man who does military. I think he's got enough kind of charisma and and like is so established as being someone who can be a lot more than that. Yeah, that I think I don't know that he'll ever get totally like pigeonholed there. Um. But he's it's interesting because he's like kind of like right on the edge there. Yeah. I don't just want scenes of him doing stuff intercut with a lady waiting on a porch for him to get back. <laughs> like right. with a crying baby on her hip. Like I, I I need need. I would like to see a little more yeah. of what, what we get uh in this. And he apparently is the only one who is uh in the title card is returning. The legendary Star Lord will return, mm-hmm. apparently. Um yeah. which is interesting to me that we're gonna get more of him, but Again, I don't trust the MCU to not bring back whoever they can, whoever they can get. But I, I just want to point out because I did watch Terminal List. I was there. I saw it all. But not Citadel. It, it, not Citadel. <laughs> why? Why on earth would I do that? Terminal List has has uh, Chris Pratt. It has Jai Courtney, and it has Taylor Kitsch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone watched the show. What it, could go wrong? Them. So if Richard Madden also, if Citadel had Richard Madden as well as like Alex Pettifer and Desmond Llewellyn's ghost, would you watch it? Throw in a little Dylan Minnette and you've got there me. There it is. All right. 
Um, also, Britain, I would like to revisit your comparison of, of Big Groot to Knack. Uh, Knack yeah. came out in 2013. I think you'll find that Big Groot's design is from the uh, Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning, Guardians of the Galaxy run. I might have appeared before okay. that, but that goes back to like 2000, 2004 we're talking here. So Knack is Big Groot. Maybe so- somewhere between 2004 and 2006. Knack is Big Groot then. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Respect. Fact check. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about Groot anymore, guys. Um, wow. Groot just doesn't really grab me anymore. Yeah, I think that's kind of when you really start to push him into like full adulthood. I feel like he starts to lose some of his charm. Sure. Um, Teenage Groot was funny. Baby Groot is cute, but yeah. Um, and I I know he's like a, a is he an adult or have because I'm trying to compare him in this to where he is in like the first movie. Yeah. Like, is it supposed to be he's on the older end in the first movie? And sure. this is like, oh, no, this is Groot in his prime. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. I'm not sure. I think it's I I would. To me, I feel like he's still supposed to be younger in the like he's he's like sort of young adult in this. Sure. And then obviously we see at the end what uh, maximum group maximum Groot can become. Um, maybe because he's been, I don't know, maybe because he's, he's been, uh, enriched by, uh, friendship sure. is how, is how he has grown so, so much bigger than in the first guardians. Or maybe he would have eventually gone through the same growth phase after what he was, was in the first guardians. But that I feel like in this, he's supposed to be like a extension of the teenage group from the end of, or from really, I guess like the end credits of the last one. Uh, I don't remember if he's. I don't remember what he looks like in the holiday special either. If he matches this design or if he's younger, but I want to say he matches this design, okay. but I'm not 100 percent sure. I I did watch the holiday holiday special right before rewatching this, but I don't remember. <clears throat> yeah, and I don't hate Groot. I want to be cl- clear here. I don't hate him. I'm just not like a Groot's here. It's, I, you know, I was. V- I was very excited by the reveal that he was hiding all those guns. Mm-hmm. That was pretty funny. <laughs> that I made really me like, very happy. <laughs> I really like that we kind of, because he's sort of the emotional core of the first. I, for me, it doesn't bother me too much <clears throat> because he's the he's definitely the crux of the first one where yeah. he has the we are Groot moment. Um, and we do get a really nice moment at the end of this just to keep tracing through what every character, how, how every character gets paid off. Um, at the end of this where he says, I love you guys. and no one the way that everyone reacts the implication i think is supposed to be that the audience is now in on and can yeah. understand Groot um which is very sweet and very nice uh and i think that him just being kind of like a utility uh toolbox for the, yeah. the guardians of this and having a lot of creative fun action <laughs> well, stuff he is, is good enough for me he is violent in this movie mm-hmm. like this movie it, kind of like with the transformers movies if this weren't a tree fighting cyborgs, it would be the most violent MCU movie. He's sticking it his still ha- might be. He's sticking his hand branch into something and then imploding it with like mm-hmm. branches sticking out. It's it's visceral. Like there's a lot of stuff in this movie. I was like, they PG thirteen. That's 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 kind of why I like when James Gunn kind of has one one hand tied behind his back, yeah, it, like he does with the MCU movies because I feel like when he has the full R rating and he can kind of do just whatever he wants, like it verges on tasteless and just sure. like, I, I, I start to lose interest, but like the fact that he's, he's really pushing it and he's able to get away with that or like, um, you know, how the high evolutionary, like 
his face reveal mm-hmm. at the end yeah. and it's like it's genuinely crypto or just like all the animal cruelty elements of the movie which of course we'll get into but just like i feel all that stuff it's like no you can put that in in a, a movie theoretically made for for kids or families at least like you, you can have that stuff it doesn't have to be completely watered down and just like yeah. have nothing of substance I don't know. I like it. I like violence. <laughs> well, the animal cruelty is is really not shown as much as we think it is. No, it's a movie that makes you think you're you're watching it because it does a very good job of sort of. But you really don't. The thing you watch is when the animals are like pushed, are like put in that chamber where it races them through their evolution, and we just see them growing into like crazy versions of themselves, mm-hmm. which is still scary. And we well, obviously we do. I guess we do watch three of them die, but like. You're not literally watching people. I don't know. It, it, the movie's yeah. a lot more tasteful in how it cuts around that stuff. Like the rocket stuff yeah. is like you're mostly oh, watching. This looks really watch horrifying, it. but yeah. we're not we're not seeing exactly what yeah. is happening. You're seeing the hologram, and most of yeah. it is ju- is almost off screen, and you're watching the other characters watch it, yeah. which makes it more impactful. Yeah, I mean, like the the opening with the high evolutionary reaching yeah. for him is like very scary. That kind of sets everything that you you really yeah. need tone wise, and like sets the stakes and the implication yeah yeah i do think it's kind of it's really uh neat like nebula just has that one line of like this is worse than what thanos did to me and just Mm -hmm. like it's like very clear-cut one simple line of dialogue and we get everything out of it like yeah yeah. i don't know it's very impactful i don't know I, i will say like this is this movie does work for me very much on an emotional level um yes like I, I even on a rewatch, like I teared up in several spots. Um, like, I, I think the drama just works very well. And James Gunn has such a good fix on these characters. Yeah. Um, despite not having control of them for Infinity War and Endgame, um, it's cool that he kind of has like he has such a good feel on them in everyone's history that, uh, you know, he's able to kind of pull it together and make it thematically resonant. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I find it I find it really fascinating that Rocket is basically out of the movie for half of it, and it's just flashbacks with him. Mm-hmm. And yet by the time he comes back in and Bradley Cooper's doing the voice again, and it's like normal Rocket, um, it still works. Did it doesn't we, feel super jarring. Did Bradley Cooper do the voice the whole time and they just like modulated it to make him sound younger? I think they may have modulated some of it, but I want to say at least when he's like super young, they have a different voice actor. But I, I could be Rami completely Malik. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll hear about him, actually. I yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Rocket is one of my favorite MCU characters. I, I really liked him in this, and I, I honestly wondered if they would, if he would die in the movie, not mm-hmm. from the High Evolutionary, but then like after that, um, yeah, if he would die heroically and and which i'm glad he didn't um they make some other near-death choices that i don't think were <laughs> meant anything but to me but that's okay um i it, it, there are a few points in the movie that felt to me like maybe not kevin Feige specifically but that like the powers of the were like james we need you to we need you to do this thing and he was like hmm. all right i'll figure it out <laughs> um things that just didn't sync up for, for the rest of the movie for me See, I wondered particularly about not killing anyone, because um, yeah. that seems like, I don't know, it almost feels like a meta thing of James Gunn going, I'm not killing anyone off. 
And I'm like, fine will, with that. Yeah. I will I will almost kill Rocket, I'll almost kill Drax, I'll almost kill Star Lord, but mm-hmm. I'm not killing any of them and you're still gonna care. I, I, see, I, I kind of Yeah. It's it's weird because I think it's a it's a criticism that gets lobbed at the MCU a lot of like there's not a lot of lasting deaths, emotional stakes and stuff. Right. Um kind of outside of Tony Stark, who is like the whole yeah deal of Endgame, like is is that and Black Widow, who maybe does not get quite enough uh, appreciation there, um, but I I think it is really neat that no one dies, and I think because I I really was like, oh yeah, they gotta kill at least you know Rocket, Drax, yeah. so, someone's gonna die here, um, and I think especially for James Gunn, it's really fascinating that he's like, no, I like I I am curious, I maybe it is, maybe there was like a all right, you can or you can't kill off these characters. Like, maybe there was more of a mandate on that. But to me, it feels like the fact that they all kind of get a chance to just talk about, like, what they want to go do and, yeah. and that the team breaks up without anyone dying. And it's just like, no, we, we're all... Yeah. We were, like, a group, and we have all kind of grown in different directions, and now we can go do our own things because we've all become better for the time that we were in the Guardians. Like, I think that that feels more correct to me in terms of sure. how the character should end. And I think that's really smart and does make it even even a better payoff. It's like, oh, yeah, no, they all actually make it out of this. Like, yeah, it's such a harrowing movie. I think it would almost be too upsetting if they did kill Rocket or sure anything like that. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, that wasn't what I meant. That's not what I think. was. No, I know. I'm just that that's yeah. like it, it is a curious question of like, what did they was there a point where he wanted to do that? Like, yeah, you know, or what, or what vice versa. The, yeah, yeah. Because I definitely am glad that they didn't die, but it feels weird to me. I don't know why they almost kill Star Lord. I don't know why we take up minutes to think we're going to kill him. Yeah, which yeah. is again, I think it's because the studio is like, "Hey, we need Adam Warlock in this, so can you make and then show off what Adam Warlock can do?" Can you like get that going? Maybe so. And I don't hate it. We get the creation of man shot and like, I'm glad that Star Lord doesn't die, but it was just kind of, I was like, I don't, I remember when I was younger movies that like, you think a character's dead and then they're not would hit me a lot harder because I, I didn't have the like movie language translated yeah. where I was like, sure. Oh my God, that character's gone. Oh, they're back. And it really was impactful. And that can still be impactful now. And I think, you know, the really lame versions of this are like rise of Skywalker um to a less lame but still kind of iffy would be like mummy returns we recently talked mm-hmm. about where it's like i don't know why we're doing this <laughs> like we talked about it with shazam too yeah it's like you're not even shazam is a great example where it's like you're not even i don't want the character to die but i don't know why you even had them fake die and this is yeah. not this is not anywhere close to that but it does feel kind of like i don't know why we're gonna you're gonna make us think you killed drax and star lord only to have them not die because at this point in the movie i'm like well this is the point in the movie where the character would die yeah or the character would be fine it just it, it, and it, it's not a why did you do that finger wag it's a oh i wonder i wonder what the his narrative reason for doing that is um but i'm i'm happy with the way it resulted so i think i feel like the movie would be a lot it would be a lot harder to justify adam warlock in this movie who we can talk about without that moment and i do like that yeah. it does tie together like the guardians are kind of a found family who will accept anyone i forget exactly what the line is but i know that there's the point where groot says i am groot after saving him and somebody translates and i don't remember what exactly they say 
um or ever is it maybe it's like everyone deserves a second chance something like that yeah um and so i think that's that's nice it is kind of a weird fake out because it's like well especially on like in the movie i was watching the movie in the theaters i remember being like what (laughs) we're doing this like that's kind of random um but i think the fact that it happens quickly and is resolved quickly it gives you like just a moment of being like "Mm, what's going on here and then it's like oh okay this is why adam warlock is in the movie um i think that that at least ties together for him an emotional thing and of course he gets to join in the little group hug at the end after like hesitantly standing outside it it's a a cute moment um i think that works all right for me i like that one of the things i was thinking about with like the infinity war game stuff um infamous moment in infinity war where uh star lord loses his mind and punches thanos when they've almost got him captured uh and that is like basically he freaks out because he emotionally can't handle the situation um and that a lot of people are like ah that feels weird this i think including james gunn yeah but this i think helps bring that characterization around a little bit to have him have a moment of like oh i'm literally gonna go back for my music player yeah uh and risk dying and like again have that like (laughs) the the uh impulse control and ability to (laughs) like have a handle on his own emotions uh is not quite there in in his own like critical thinking um being overridden by his irrational needs and wants um and then and then we do get the really nice moment where he leaves the note to rocket that says i went back to get this for you yeah that's really sweet so overall i'm i i'm fine with it but i agree it is it is a weird like one last like it's almost a uh it feels a little bit less like a um oh the character died never mind they're fine versus a um like a michael myers fake out at the end where yeah, it's like, yeah we've beaten michael myers oh my gosh he's back oh we shot him again okay now we're good <laughs> like it, it feels a little bit more like that it's a little odd or like the scream um, uh you always shoot yes. him in the head kind of thing yeah, yeah yeah yes yeah what you didn't want this to be the end of blade trinity where chris pratt is is laying there and and they're about to do the autopsy and uh because chris pratt is a diva and refuses to open his eyes they digitally open his eyes you didn't want that yeah everyone watch blade trinity it literally ends with word (laughs) (laughs) yeah um real quick on on the character deaths britain i I think i ultimately i i agree with you on 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 that being a little frustrating or at least head scratching yeah um mostly in terms Mostly because I I just I I feel like with the Drax one they don't push it far enough right right because from and then from the, the Star Lord like, one okay he got shot he really may just be unconscious like and then the Star Lord one I feel like they push it too far yeah because <laughs> with the Drax one I feel like if you're gonna have that moment he needs to be wounded or have some sort of consequences that roll into the rest of the movie sure sure it can't just be oh no no he's fine he's 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 actually fine like no problem. He can get right back up. Um, that feels like dumb action movie logic. And I, we talked about Black Widow. We don't like that. Um, <laughs> um, and then the Star-Lord thing, it, it's not so much that they have the fake out death. It's that he gets to the point where like his face is freezing and bloating. Yeah. And I'm like, no, he's dead. I'm sorry. He's dead. <laughs> 
he he lost all of his ego god powers in the last movie. Well, that's what he I was going to say. My my one defense would be that I think it is neat to show that as like a consequence of him killing ego because in the first one i believe he like survives in space for a while and they kind of yeah, retcon yeah. that as he's got ego ego god powers um and so it's almost like a well you, you lost those this is what happens this is what happens when you don't have that that heritage or not heritage genetics to fall back on like but then he does survive but he does but uh, but he would it, it's at least like clearly he would not have lasted like another few seconds longer like he had to get saved right then so uh, yeah i feel like there, there's a better way to execute it i'm not Maybe quite so. sure what it is but i i feel like there's a better way to to go about that um circling back on uh will poulter uh i that character didn't really work for me on first viewing but he did on a rewatch and i think that's just mm-hmm. because i knew that he was kind of a joke um and that we weren't really going to do anything super serious with him um and i do think will poulter like he's got comedic chops um yeah and like a lot of his line delivery is very strong um but yeah it does feel like him and uh elizabeth debicki's character are kind of shoehorned into this because they set that up in the last one um i i did want to ask where the sovereign was because like in the last movie like they have like hundreds of drones and like they've got a whole like civilization and then in this movie, it's just, I think his mom is the leader of the Sovereign, mm-hmm. and then him. Why is it just the two of them going out and trying to find the Guardians? Yeah. Look, the blip hit everyone differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would have been nice to get a line that, that was like, our civilization crumbled after the, the you know, maybe you get a fun like world building thing where people in other parts of the, the universe call it something different. And- sure. You know, there's a whole thing there. Yeah, you could you could do something with that. This is a fairly they, different. They start they they start a cosmic ice cream shop called Infinity Cones, <laughs> and then everyone blew it up. They all died. There's a uh, hate th- that movie. This is a fairly <laughs> different take on this. Is this is not Adam Warlock's origin in the books, right? It's not. So Adam Warlock in the comics originally shows up as like a Fantastic Four guy yeah. who I don't. I think Stan Lee made him i think it was lee and curry uh it was still in their run um but he kind of is just like a, a weird dude uh-huh. <laughs> it's just like i think he's called him uh and it's just like what what what's his deal uh i think he was made by supposed to be made by scientists like just on earth okay. somehow is the original origin but he does get tied into the high evolutionary and counter earth okay. and okay. like there's that's a whole i just know that thing, he so. lived in the soul gym yeah eventually eventually he gets connected to the yeah i think maybe i think they kind of retcon that where it's like he has he always has the gym design and then eventually they come back to it and they're like it's almost they almost flip him and vision um because vision does not have the gym it's just like he's the vision yeah he doesn't have that going on in the comics in his origins it's adam morlock and then eventually they're like they do something with that so Okay, um, and Morph is part of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Marvel snap card Morph. Justice for Morph. I, <laughs> I, we, uh, uh, I, I feel, I feel we should uh, mention that we randomly watched the first two up or the the two part pilot for the X Men animated series from the nineties, which I don't. Alex, I guess you had seen it before, but uh, it's pretty good. Britain and I had not. 
I forgot. I forgot about morph. <laughs> I forgot about morph. Okay, and I was like, we started the episode, and I was like, something weird happens to morph. I don't remember <laughs> oh, what yeah. it was, and Death. then he died, <laughs> and then the Sentinels killed him. Spoilers for the X Men animated series. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'm actually Warlock in this is interesting because he's kind of he's sort of a different approach to the Drax angle sure. of like he's not dumb he's just naive yeah um and he's just a little bit like i don't know he he more is is figuring out how the world works but obviously he's got enough power that like people still take him seriously um i i I really love i I messaged you guys while i was watching this that like the line where uh elizabeth debicki's character is like show him we mean business to interrogate a ravager and then he just incinerates him <laughs> she's like I, I said show me business and he's like what business could we have shown him it's <laughs> it's such a good line delivery it's a, he i think is the funniest character in the movie for me wow like he's the character who, who gets when he when he gets stuff and like will polter's i think performance there's a lot of really good like the the way he kind of looks pleased with himself a lot of the time yeah. and like the reaction <laughs> that he has to just all sorts of things as he's encountering new weird stuff from the guardians side he- of the universe do we think he's just gonna beat the Lydia Tar out of Harry Styles' character? <laughs> Very well, man. <laughs> Not impossible. Just that, I mean, no comedy, just decimating that, that little imp. That is my favorite sentence that will be said <laughs> in the year 2023. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, it will mean I, nothing to in three years. I, I need that hanging up on a banner. Like, can we, if they, can we put that in Times Square or something? Like, come on. If they don't do Eternals 2 with Chloe Zhao and then just just have her stick Will Poulter in there and be like, figure this out. And also <laughs> stick to Eternal. Like, like, no, I'm doing it the same way. Yes, the same thing, but just Will Poulter is. I'm is doing it. Eternals 2 Which, the way I want to shut up. That, that I have an Oscar. has some, some humor, but yeah. I, you know. It'll be called Eternals 2 the way I want it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the way you want it. Th- th- no, she'd use like a Tame Impala song. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, but I, yeah, I, I he. Hear, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say on the comic side, he definitely is a. In the comics, he's just a serious dude. He's just like, I'm figuring out. It's the same kind of idea of like, he, he spends a lot of the early years where writers did not know what they were doing with it. Right. Being like, I don't know what's going on here uh, until. Jim Sterling gets his hands on him and turns him into the linchpin for the whole Infinity Gauntlet stuff. Um, that, like, I I think it's a neat approach. I, I would like to see, and I think you kind of get a glimpse of it in the, the post-credit sequence. I would like to see him being just more serious, and I think the movie does a good job of not having any of the characters think he's a joke because they're all kind of terrified of him. Um, and so I think that works out well to then set him up to be like actually respected and like you can go do other stuff with him with i don't know well i want to i want to talk a little bit about the future of the mcu sure. uh, after as we after we wrap up uh, the main movie discussion because uh, i think uh, uh, yeah i would be interested to here. see where adam warlock goes from here because i like yeah. will polter mm-hmm. and the character is neat i feel like i, I knew of some people who who are like died of the little fans who are like this isn't really what i this isn't the adam warlock i want to see but they weren't like fully like anti. They were just like, ah, not. I quite. think, I think his showing how powerful he is, and then Will Poulter just being 
yeah. so good at acting uh i think gives you a lot of like you can kind of do what you need to do from here yeah. to turn him into like a main character who's it, it's, actually it's almost maybe like how i felt about captain marvel where i was like mm. man i like what brie larson is doing i need her to be in something that like utilize not not yeah. quite though because will poulter is better utilized in this than captain marvel is in captain marvel but <laughs> you're probably right um but you know what i'm saying where it's like okay yeah the 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 uh the materials are here the resources are here yeah um i i will say i i liked that i remember feeling in guardians 2 that drax was too jokey like they took the oh drax is funny and went that's what mm-hmm. he does now i think they pulled that back the right amount in this one I still feel like he's he's played as an idiot. Um, there, there is one thing that bothers me, but it's not Drax himself. Well, in the first movie, it's not so much that he's an idiot. It's that he's bloodthirsty and aggressive and wants a fight. Yeah. Well, and that his but, character takes things very literally. But that's yeah. that's the only joke. Right. It's that his his culture, like, they, they, they take things literally. They yeah. don't get metaphor. Right. And then you get to the second movie, and infinity war and yeah he's got a couple lines in endgame but probably not enough to impact this um but it just feels like they've dumbed him down because hey people think dave batista in this role is funny so we're gonna write it more leaning into that um without really thinking about it um and then there's the whole disconnect of he wants vengeance on thanos but then he doesn't really get to kind of we don't do anything with that yeah um and so you get to this movie and it it feels like he's still going down the wrong path in terms of character writing of he's just still a big dummy. And it helps that the characters are arguing about it, I guess. Sure. And mm-hmm. then they pull it out at the end of like, oh, no, he just needs to be a dad and everything's all right. And I'm like, OK, James Gunn, you saved it. You saved it at the one yard line. Good job. <laughs> uh, well, that was I, I like I like the, the, the conclusion of that. It felt a little rushed. It felt a little one yard line yeah um the the bit that bothered me is he and mantis and nebula are all kind of arguing and really that scene is mantis and nebula confronting each other and mantis specifically calling nebula out for always being so critical and why are you so mad at everyone why do you hate everything why does everything have to be a problem but she says this to me like every week so every day um (laughs) it's been done there um, but when she, but she starts saying that Drax is an idiot and Drax is like, you think I'm an idiot? And she's like, yeah, I think you're dumb. And then they just kind of leave it. But then Drax is like genuinely upset by this. And so she puts her hand on and makes him forget it and then goes back to deriding Nebula. And he's like, ha 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 ha, joke, joke, joke. And I didn't love that because he reacted to it so sincerely. If he had reacted to yeah. it, like, what, what do you think I'm an idiot? Then it'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, ha ha ha. But because he seems actually affected by it, and I've heard to be like, ha, 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 no, I don't, that the whole thing felt a little more sour to me than I wanted it to. And not that I necessarily needed now there to be this long, but maybe that's an opportunity for, for Drax to be like, look, I'm, I know that I don't get things the way that you guys get them, but I still have something. I, I am not just bloodthirsty, which can kind of help set the, because that's before he starts bonding with the children that they rescue and showing that he is this nurturing caretaker. Um, and I'm not saying it had to be a, a big, long monologue, but like, give me a, a little bit of that seed as opposed to, yeah. you think I'm dumb? You can, you can no. never not okay. do that. Yeah. And 
it, it's funny because uh, watching the holiday special, there's a whole plot point about that that's like a much bigger deal. Okay. Um, spoilers for the holiday special. Um, Mantis and Drax go to Earth to get Kevin Bacon mm-hmm. so that uh, Star-Lord has a happy Christmas for once. Um, and they have to like manipulate his mind with Mantis's powers to get him to leave with them and be cooperative. And when he gets there, Star-Lord's like, what did you do? Take take it all away, and then Mantis undoes what she did, and then he's obviously freaked out. And so I'm like, okay, I feel like Mantis should have learned something right. from that. <laughs> you can't just go messing it's, with people's minds like that. I mean, yes, but it's also kind of a, there's a difference in the, the heat of the moment thing, sure. if she's leaned on this as a habit in the past. But I agree, I think it would, because then he has a really nice moment. <clears throat> there's a couple of, of things I really like in that conversation where mantis is like he's the only one of us who doesn't hate himself yeah like that's a that's a really strong moment um and then also he knows the language of these these kids who were abducted or experimented or created somehow the high evolutionary uh has kidnapped a bunch of children and he knows their language um and nebula's like you know his language and or you know their language and he's like yeah you didn't ask you know like what which is kind of the implication Don't of stop like, underestimating me. Exactly. You assumed I wouldn't know. Um, and I feel like that could have been a moment where you, you could have, I agree. You could have swung that. So yeah. that you didn't have to like have okay. that. I think it, it is kind of interesting in that they are pretty codependent in these movies. And I like that at the end, they go their separate ways. Um, I think that at least is, is nice that if that's a moment that happens, it's good. <laughs> They're yeah. not like, they can go and explore and find them themselves. Um, but I agree. Little, little odd. Little odd. Well, it's just one of those things where if you're playing something for humor, like in the moment, okay, I can, yeah, you yeah. know, enjoy it well enough. But in terms of like strong character writing, continuing universe, continuing story, the implications of that start yeah. to get a little creepy. If it's like, oh, anytime Mantis thinks she's upset with somebody, she just basically mind wipes them like yeah. i don't know that that made me a little yeah. uneasy <laughs> well the movie in general i think all and i referred to this when i messaged you guys as tonal glitches because that's what i think it is i don't think it's like fully inconsistent tone but we'll have a lot of like very dramatic moments that are kind of intercut with like gamora doesn't know how to fly this crazy spaceship and i'm like okay this isn't whiplash i'm not this isn't like you're cutting between like I don't know Schindler's List and heavyweights. Like it's not, it's not that crazy, but it is. However, that would be a double feature. <laughs> what a movie! There you go. But it is. Um, at times, it did feel a bit like okay. I don't know why we did that joke right there, or that's a little sillier than mm, just. It's a lot of like I don't need to change the machinery, but just like loosen that bolt, tighten that one. Yeah. You know, just a little bit of that here and there. Um, didn't didn't wasn't quite as harmonious for me as as uh, I would have wanted. Um, having said that, ultimately the comedy does work for me. I do think it's a very funny movie, and the drama definitely works for me. I do think it's a very moving movie. So it all does move together. I do think I kind of feel like they could have brought back some of the. I don't think they mentioned this at all in the movie. I could be forgetting something. They could have brought back some of Drax's like tragic backstory with yeah. I, I believe they talk about this isn't that why he wants revenge in the first movie is that yeah they reference a tiny bit yeah who ronan killed his family but on behalf of thanos yeah, yeah. 
So he, he um, theoretically, like, he gets his revenge on Ronan, and then at the end of that, he goes, you know, the, the real enemy out there is Thanos. I want to get him. Yeah. Which, uh, eventually, I believe his daughter is revealed to have been saved and or resurrected by Moondragon, or into Moondragon in the comics by the Eternals or somebody. Uh, so... Okay. You know, maybe maybe we'll revisit that down the line. But yeah. I think that would have been a good thing to harken back to of like maybe in that moment if if it's like he has this dark stuff in his past and like you know, that's how he connects with children, is like he misses his own daughter and so like I, I think you could do something there to kind of bring that home and not make it feel like it's totally I think if you watched all three of them all three of these movies in a row, probably it would actually come across stronger. Because uh, I I want to sure. say that that does come up in the second one. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, it does. So th- if if you had that material to be like, oh yeah, that's just part of his character that we already know, and then we're adding on this additional layer of like really peeling back who he who he should be and who he is, that might work better. Yeah. Um, I did think Mantis was terrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is so good in this. She's so funny and. I mentioned this to y'all. I don't want to ever lean on the people with accents different than mine. Their pronunciation makes stuff funny. There may be a little bit of, of that, but just her delivery is so good. Like when they're in the different colored suits and looking like Among mm-hmm. Us and they're trying to communicate <laughs> with the different buttons and they're like, wait, I thought yellow was an open channel. No, that's blue. Wait, blue is yellow. No, green is red. And she just starts like reciting them all. And then she and Drax have a back and forth and she screams and like distracts everybody or, uh, everyone hears it like it's very all that's very funny um and she also makes an alien briefly fall in love with Drax which was not as uh uncomfortable or mm-hmm. maybe like grossly are you making fun of gay people kind of thing yeah. as it could have been it was just kind of sweet and funny and I believe that the actor who plays the alien she made fall in love with him is uh Dutch from Red Dead Redemption 2 huh so okay. yeah that's Palm Clementich is my MVP for this movie. Um, so great. And the holiday special as well, which hmm. I liked mm-hmm. it quite a bit. It's Most fun. valuable uh, Palm. <laughs> yeah. But it is funny. Like, I, I'm, I'm super excited for us to get to the newest Mission Impossible because she is like, a completely different character. So I, I, can, I, I know she's got that level of range. Yeah. So going back to this and just seeing her physical comedy chops, like it's it's just quite a bit of fun um yeah i don't know it yeah she's just great yeah, I she <laughs> anytime was, she's on screen yeah. i was like what's she gonna do now yeah no, I, thought, I, I thought she was delightful i feel like i had a i actually that might be why i was appreciating will poulter so much is because he's in the bear season two and uh. it's not like a big part but it's enough that like made me really appreciate coming back to this and i'm like oh yeah that's it that's an actor <laughs> like he does yeah, stuff he's very good um but yeah, uh, Mantis, I, I think it's the performance is so sincere. Yeah. Uh, and so just like per, like the, in that scene where they're all scream or she screams to figure out what the buttons all mean. And yeah. I think like it hurts Chris Pratt because he it, like screams in his headset or whatever. And she turns back to Drax and she's like, you were right. <laughs> uh, it's so like that everyone's comedic timing in this everyone's I, I don't know if it's gun picks a really good cast or he can direct that those kinds of, of scenes really well but like it it just is it, it all works perfectly yes. on the comedic side and i think in a way that is better like uh, there is 
probably some tonal stuff, but I feel like this is the most ideal version of James Gunn's sensibilities. Um, where it is very funny, but also very emotional in a lot, in a lot of ways, and, ha- and like is is able to use the levity and the uh kind of darkness, yeah, well to kind of dial and find exactly what it needs to be. Um, Alex, did you go? Well, I find it I incredible that this movie is as funny as it is, and then cut to the flashback scene where Rocket's friends get killed. Mm-hmm. No no score playing over that scene, or at least the the beginning of it, but when um Rocket's first friend gets killed, voiced by Linda Cardellini. Yeah, as Lila. Right. An otter. Right. My favorite mm-hmm. animal. <laughs> <laughs> but when Rocket. she goes down and Rocket's, like his reaction is just to scream, and it's like, it's not like a dramatic, like I'm thinking, because Wolverine does this like every X-Men movie where he's got a, a, a dead girl in his arms and he goes, no, <laughs> and the score like goes crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's not like that. It's just like a very visceral, real, like he is in pain. Yeah. And that's I mean, not a... something you get in most Marvel movies. And it, like I said, like they don't, they don't go over the top with it. It's just like, they don't feel the need to insert like some super corny score or anything like that. And then the bad guy's just like making fun of him to his face mm-hmm. as he's screaming in pain. Yeah. Give me more of this. Like this is compelling. It's a it's like a toddler scream, which I yeah. like was very <laughs> chilling to me, especially the first time I watched it. Like it's yeah, it's because he is still basically a child. And I think I, I'm really curious to go back and watch all three of these again and like revisit the first one. And especially I think the second one, he gets a lot of stuff where it's like you i think this really enriches how sort of traumatized and uh unable to form trusting relationships with people he is uh i think that that really informs back and and does a good job of explaining his character before he kind of joins the guardians he he's a marvelous character and bradley cooper is marvelous as Mm -hmm. rocket um you know i i I like Bradley Cooper just fine as an actor. I think this is just such beautiful work he does in every, every time I've seen him as rocket. Um, I, Oh, I'll get that arm, you know, stuff like that. He's, yeah. he's obviously very funny. And in this, he's very, very impactful. I, and the refrain of like, I'm not a raccoon. I'm not a raccoon. And then he, he, when uh-huh. he, in, and I want to talk about some of the, the denouement with the high evolutionary. I'll, yes. That's a different moment, but yeah him accepting his identity is so beautiful and i i am tired of the nobody knows what a raccoon is and everyone just keeps calling him different (laughs) like i we get it a badger a squirrel like come on let the we get it having said that um i i I think he's really wonderful i i i love otters very much and i thought linda cardellini was great and those characters were just shy of like twee for me which is the right like it was a good thing you, you could have put him put a little more sugar in it and it's too sweet. Um, yeah. And he doesn't like, and there's something really, again, very spare, but still horrifying of like the walrus has wheels on him mm-hmm. and Lila doesn't have her front paws. She has these like robotic arms and the rabbit, you can't even see its mouth. Like it's just in this like metal spider body thing. And floor is the, is the character's name. Like that's just, I didn't know. I knew those characters existed. I didn't know that was their design. And it's it's scary to think they were put through that. And it's 
it, it's I think really good filmmaking and, and tasteful filmmaking where there's animal cruelty in the movie, but the movie doesn't feel cruel itself. And even though there's literally a scene where a and I I, I don't begrudge or I, I don't won't dispute anyone who said the movie was too upsetting for them on this level. Yeah, completely understand. Um, but for me, I, I was able to get through it and not get mad at the movie. And I just really love the way they play that whole thing where Lila is shot and then Rocket is like picks up a gun and starts shooting at the the guards who in that firefight shoot behind him and kill Tiefs and Floor. And so now he's like, wait, is that my fault? They were going to incinerate them anyway. But like if I hadn't shot them, could we have maybe gotten out of this somehow? Like all of that is just really, really impactful and. It, it's neat that you don't actually see you don't see like a bullet rip through anybody you know you just yeah. know that it happened um and it, it's hard to put i i think we have talked about this with the rob zombie michael myers movie or halloween movies those movies displayed cruelty but also felt cruel in a way the, the, the movies themselves did maybe not intentionally but this one it displays a lot of cruelty but in no way feels cruel um, and I think I've heard that James Gunn is a very like impassioned animal rights, you know, activist or cares very much about them. So I imagine he was putting his own like, yeah, this is terrible. And this is this is why this stuff shouldn't happen. And this is, you know, we get we get some uh, <laughs> some consequences to that. So Rob Zombie movies are exploitative. Sure, in a way sure. That this is not. <laughs> yes, that's a good word for it. Um, yeah, I, I really just love how the entire flashback subplot of the movie, like, it doesn't feel retconny. No. It, it feels mm-hmm. like, oh, it's completely possible that James Gunn had most of this kind of figured out before he even wrote the first movie. Like, it's possible. It feels um, more, don't... honestly, it kind of feels like the bear in a way, where it's like, you yeah, know, you are now getting the answer, not, we yeah. have now figured out how that works out. It's, nope, yeah. not. Now is the time in the saga where you will learn the information. Yeah. And yeah, because I'm just imagining like the dumb version of it where it's like, oh, no, this is how Rocket gets his costume. Right. <laughs> and like, this is how he gets like his his signature gun. Yeah. And, and like, uh, you know, all that crap. And we're going to shove Groot in there. This is how he met Groot as well. Yeah. I and, like, and, like Solo. Can't pronounce... Okay, guys, I promise. And, I like Solo. And he like, can't pronounce really... growth, so then he calls him Groot as a child or something silly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It really could have been a lot like yes. Solo. Uh, <laughs> where it's like, oh, he's 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 finding an old mentor. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, yeah. the mentor betrays him, and that's well, what makes him I w- untrusting. I guess I'll call you Chewy because I wouldn't shorten your name Chewbacca. I'll have to watch you eat something to put the word chewing. <laughs> anyway, um, I really love the way he comes up with the name Rocket. Like, that's beautiful and heartbreaking. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, all of that is so good. Before we talk about the way all of that comes to a head, we got to talk about the High Evolutionary. One of the best <laughs> Marvel villains. Um, oh, boy. I I just love how we're kind of past the kind of pseudo anti-hero stuff with with marvel villains yep. and like a lot of them where it's like okay yeah they're evil they do terrible things but they kind of have a point and you understand where they're coming from and loki's like, so hot and <laughs> yeah. that makes it okay like, like kylo so Ren. is thanos they're so beefy <laughs> i mean look at that chin yeah but, you know, you got Vulture, you got Killmonger, you got Thanos. Like, those are, like, some of the more memorable Marvel villains. And it's like, well, you know, there's a lot mo- going to them. It's not just their pure evil. Right. Um, 
obviously they've got some psychopathic tendencies, um, but uh, there's more to them. Um, And this one, it's like, yeah, I know. I get his motivation and I get what he's going for. I get the goal. He's a monster. Yeah. Absolute monster. I want them to destroy him. And 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 they do. I like that getting the goal means mathematically getting it, not... like we're not supposed to empathize with him we're just supposed to mathematically understand what he means right and and chukwudi iwuji is so good is so good in this apparently he's in john wick too um but he Hmm. uh he's good throughout the entire movie the high evolutionary always feels like he has a soul which is the key to great acting but also he he does the talking 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 now i'm yelling thing and it's not bad acting (laughs) and that is a hard thing to do and we have seen performances that struggle with that switch on this podcast before he he nails it um it's just tremendous work and 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 it's real unfortunate because i remember even just sitting there in the theater watching it and be like why is this guy not the centerpiece villain going forward and it's like why do we have to put everything on kang i don't i could not care less about kang but i this guy is great just the the end where he freaks out and he's like there is no god that's why i had to step in great line (laughs) that's just good writing tremendous writing we i think when we talked about after right after we'd seen guardians on the podcast and recommended it um we talked about like you could really just insert him as and say this is a king there's another king variant and now other kings are him uh you could really just bring him back for stuff like that when it looked like Jonathan Majors was was totally out. Now it's kind of up in the air. More there is also, I was thinking about this the other day, there's some iffiness in being like, we've already established that all these kings look alike, so we'll just put another black man in there sure. that, that's a little like, well, you know what I mean. Not that I wouldn't well, love to see Chukudi Uji be yeah. king. You can, you, can make it, you can make it clear that it's, it's like, oh, there's just different, yes. like, because I think they've done, I mean, like, I think uh, Sylvie from Loki is a king or is a Loki a king variant? Oh yeah, a Loki, she's variant. A Loki variant. Yeah. Um. So you could you could be like, yeah, it's just you know, and you could bring in other people too for sure. It. Sure. Um. But still, great performance, and yeah. I really I don't I think they bring him back on a nowhere at the end. I believe I I've not actually caught this anytime I watched it, but I've seen people mention that, or maybe there was a deleted scene. Um. He's not confirmed, but to be dead. Yeah, I believe that's the idea, and they, and they specifically spare him, so it'd be a little silly to be like, we're the Guardians of the Galaxy, we spare him, and then walk away and let him explode on the ship. Right. It's sort of a Batman Begins <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of scenario. The, um, the, the fight... Or sorry, go ahead, Doc. Well, I was just going to say, I hope we find a use for him in the future. Um, I don't know. I don't. I have not watched Peacemaker. I know he's on that, and I yeah. think that might be where James Gunn found him, uh-huh. or first, first worked with him. Um he's he's okay from what i've only seen like the first three or so episodes of peacemaker and he's like the very stern like government guy who's like i don't like peacemaker you need Mm -hmm. to do your job better like that that kind of character so he definitely doesn't get to flex his acting chops the same way as he does here sure and i and i don't it doesn't sound like especially from that description but also just from my understanding that's a character who's going to be like a big player in the dc universe Moving forward, another doing another season of Peacemaker. I um, I don't imagine so. so but then again, if, Peacemaker's in a weird gray area with what's going on at DC. If if he's not too uh, tied up in guns plants over there, I I hope somebody yeah. is able to put him to good use uh, as 
in some because I mean high evolutionary is like a big he's sort of a uh he's he's like on the outside looking into the bubble of like Doctor Doom and Red Skull and Magneto kind of like he's sort of like he's not one of the top tier but also he shows up a lot and usually he's pretty a pretty tough villain when he does um so i i'd i'd be curious to see if they pull him back for more stuff um but yeah yeah he is he's good he's very good the i i don't think i've had a moment like this in a marvel movie maybe ever i don't know where just the pure feeling of catharsis and satisfaction of watching the good guys again just wail on him yeah because rocket and i won't try to recapture the moment because i can't you just have to watch it but rocket says like my name the name's rocket rocket raccoon shoots him and just wails on him but then every guardian gets their turn with him they all get to like do their moves on him and they just wallop him but it's so like it's cathartic and satisfying and like yeah get him hit him again like Mm -hmm. punish this guy for what he's done and i don't I know, Alex, it's not as cool as Thor chopping off Thanos' head, but <laughs> but like I don't think I've had a moment like that in a Marvel movie where they have, without even me really thinking about it, driven me to like, oh, I want this guy, like, hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when that moment comes, and I think it's because I was paying so much attention to the performance and like, oh, this is such a great character, that when we get to that point, I was like, yeah, it's still a great character. Wreck him. Um, it, I don't know if I'm takes, forgetting one, but it takes like ten seconds. Yeah. It's so good. It, like there's no fight. It's no, just like just beat down. Um, yeah. On on, yeah, we, on on immediate mental scan of the MCU, I think the only other one that does come close is Thor. Finally, at the end of Infinity War, when he does yeah. land a blow on Thanos, I, but ultimately that ends up backfiring horribly. Right. But like that is the the closest I've gotten to. I am very satisfied with this outcome. That was yes. good. Heard him. <laughs> and Endgame is a is a different type of satisfaction. Right. It, it in the terms of of like I have come to love this performance and loathe this character. I am not enjoying their punishment. Yes. Yeah. Well, also, I have something. I have issues with pulling Thanos back into that movie's plot anyway. Sure. But. Sure. Um. Yeah, I think love it. I think it's really well done, and it's very, and this is the thing that I think really sets it apart from either of the other two Guardians movies. Because I would argue, I mean, we all love Lee Pace here. We sure, are yeah. uh, part of the Lee Pace fan club. Yeah, but picture a world he doesn't where Pace get heads. Parts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't get enough in the first one to like yeah. be able to really stand out. He's he's I think he's a fun kind of you know standard villain in that. Yeah, and um, it's one I wish we got more of. Yeah, and maybe they'll find ways to bring him back because yeah. he shows up at the end of Captain Marvel or whatever. Um, but that's not really the same thing. And that one has weird stuff where they're kind of trying to shoehorn in Thanos, yeah. and it, it all doesn't. It all kind of undermines it. Um, where in the second one, I really love a lot of the stuff they do to beat Ego, and Kurt Russell's great. Um, I will. I always am so bothered this is very specific but i'm always super bothered and i don't know if i mentioned this on the podcast when we talked about it way back when i probably did the big pac-man thing he does yeah. <laughs> at the end like there i think there's a couple of things they do there in that big final fight where like it's really great and peter's fully powered up and uh the chain is playing but then there's like some goofy stuff in there 
that like there's off and this i think really is no we don't there is no room for any of that in this like emotional crux where like rockets just found out that yes he is a raccoon and like he him trying to scoop all the raccoons oh together into his arms and being yeah. like yeah. i have to save all of you oh my gosh um it's it's heartbreaking uh heartrending uh and so nice that they get to go there's now just a raccoon population on yeah <laughs> um, yeah it, like um, all of that is so good and it's so like no this is the moment we need to just step back and let the story play out right here yeah I, I will say just the singular moment of in the second movie peter going you shouldn't have killed my mom and squished my walkman and then like charging at him while yes. the chain starts okay that that that's, that's another one i got three on the board <laughs> Um, but yes. in terms of yes. actual fights and needle drops, oh boy, this movie, <laughs> the hallway fight set to No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Amazing. Yeah. And it, and I kept waiting for it to undercut itself with a joke or like a record scratch because I, I've never really been able to fully buy the dance off bit at the end of the first. Sure. I was like, mm, all right. But this one, the song is great and or the way they use it is is really great and the fight is it's a quote-unquote one take everyone's getting to do their moves and just it gets quite violent um but it's just really satisfying nebula at one point they hit her so hard her neck goes all slinky mm-hmm. and she's like and then she like snicks her way back to having a skeletal structure um it's awesome i really love yeah. that whole sequence i think it's fun and cool and exciting and doesn't and and actually cool yes yeah i james gunn movies are very weird to me because i i remember like these singular moments or like these very short set pieces that are really really neat but then uh, there's a lot of stuff that just kind of bleeds together and ultimately is not super memorable and particularly for the Garden Guardians movies, I don't know if it's just whenever they just get into like gray corridor territory, mm-hmm. I start my eyes start to glaze over a bit. But I felt like there was a lot of that, particularly in the third act of this, and I felt that way about the first movie too. And I, I don't know if it's if it's along the lines of Britain what you were getting at in terms of like glitches. Um but it feels like there's there's some element and I, I I can't quite put my finger on it. That kind of keeps me just a little too distant from being like a hundred percent invested sometimes. Um, and I don't know if that's like just his humor sensibilities. I don't know if that's just the way he shoots things. I, I, I can't quite put my finger on it. Sure. Um, but I, I have noticed even with the suicide squad, like as good as it is. Um, and I would say this is probably about on par with the suicide squad for me. Um, overall, maybe slightly better. Um, there's just a lot of the movie that kind of quickly fades away from my mind. I get that. Hmm. I don't know. It's weird. Like I, the whole scene where they're, um, they're trying to fly to the high evolutionary ship and they're like getting bombarded by like hundreds and hundreds of like these mutant creatures. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, I, I, yeah, my, my eyes started glazing over And, and it was weird because they use the Guardians theme sparingly in this, which I found a little frustrating. Um, I really wish they had used that at the end to like full effect. Um, Do they not? Is that not? What plays during the when they beat up High Evolutionary? 
I, I I can't remember. I mean, maybe it is the theme. Maybe they do. I think it might be in there. I could be wrong. But I I spotted there's a moment where Rockets like his ship is getting covered with the mutants, and he starts like scraping his ship against the high evolutionary ship or somebody else's ship, and he like he's getting the mutants off, and the Guardians theme starts playing, and it's like a victorious moment for him, and I'm like, that's not sure. that doesn't go there. That's not right. Yeah. He's back <laughs> in action. Yeah, but it's the Guardians theme. Play that with the team, not Rocket. <laughs> Rocket is the Guardian. It's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, that didn't that didn't quite work for me. I I I also just um the score I found quite lacking in this versus uh, the last two movies. And like I said, maybe a lot of it is just chalked up to they do, they don't use that theme all that much. Um, I don't know if it was still Tyler Bates composing. Um, but I, I think it was. Basically, aside from the needle drops, I did not care about the music. Well, that's what I think the needle. Say. I'm I'm very impressed by the needle drops in this, and I think that sure. helps a lot to like the fact that this movie, the end of the second movie is like, all right, you can use pretty much anything. We're not restricted to like, all right, first one was I forget how how they do it. It's like first one's seventies kind of stuff, and the next one's eighties. Um, however, they kind of play that out, and then. Now it's like, you can pick from anywhere. What are you going to do? And I think it's amazing that it works so well together and that everything feels so tonally right. Um, even songs that like you've heard a million times before and have been used in other big moments in movies, like No Sleep Till Brooklyn, like, that is super impressive to me. Um, so I'm, I am... Uh, I, I ultimately... Normally I do pay more attention to the Guardians theme stuff because I do really like it, but... This time around, I was pretty happy with the, the songs playing a role there because I think they were chosen really well. I you mentioned the mutant creatures. It's interesting to me the Counter Earth where the animals are all it's like animal people that are living in like a fifty style suburb thing. I like how much of it is physical. Um, uh, there's a lot of makeup and everything. It's does not super sophisticated, but it works. It's interesting sure. to me because some of the animals people are. They clearly have like animal proportion heads where like the rabbit, the eyes are kind of on the side of the head. But then a lot of the animals also just have human faces with like animal, like the squid. It has like a human face mm-hmm. with like head tentacles. Some of that's a little bit weird, but whatever. Um, it also reminded me a lot of something and it, oh, for some reason I kept thinking about the that Happy Time Murders movie I refused to see that was like, what if the Muppets was NC-17? Mm. And uh, I love you, Brian Henson. <laughs> I will not watch that movie. Um, I kept getting those vibes that I didn't like it and a little bit of Bright, which I haven't seen. A lot of movies. It reminded me of movies I haven't seen. Um, <laughs> how, how, did we, how did we feel about the F-bomb? I, maybe that that, was, maybe oh, that's I thought it was very funny. Okay. I thought it was funny because I liked that it, they didn't try to make it cool. They didn't try to make it, it and it, we all knew it was coming. And so it kind of hits you like, oh, wait, that that's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, open the effing door. Like, I think they, it's, they didn't have it's a good joke. Cyclops exactly. show up and yell angrily at the high evolutionary. You're you're going effing down or whatever he says. Because uh, even if Rocket had said like F you to the high evolutionary, it still would have been like, all right, come on. <laughs> it wouldn't have hit. It would have been good, but it yeah. wouldn't have hit quite. Yeah. Here for it to just be like a joke, I think is yeah. is effective and well. It's funny. it's it's funny because it almost comes across as like a fourth wall break. Like yeah. I mean, obviously, Gunn knows 
knows the like expectations around when you do use your your one f bomb, which right. is still just the silliest thing. And I kind and that's I think part of it is like. Hey, look! This is kind of in stupid. the NPAA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like it, it. Yeah. It's so, and it, and it, he. It makes it work so well that he's just so exasperated. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. It, yeah. There's a couple of moments. There. There's another really good one where um, this kind of goes hand in hand with some of the stuff between Chris Pratt and Kurt Russell, um, but where the the spiel he gives when High Evolutionary starts to be like, I'm not. Uh, you know i'm a visionary i'm yeah. i'm here to save everyone he's like i don't want to hear from an- another speech from some yeah long-winded idiot who has mommy issues or whatever like whatever he says like he just like shuts him down he's just like just stop we're not <laughs> i don't care yeah uh no, it's, I, I, it's yeah funny. i thought the f-bomb was, was quite... i also like when they're in the the bat people's house and uh mantis is like your death sound sounds the same as your sick sound. Blat sick, blat death. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just all of that's very, very funny. And at one I point, did like Nebula just like takes a drink of the like whatever the shit, and she goes, ah, "Fantastic," or like "Delightful," <laughs> or something. It's no bearing on the scene at all. I just think she's so serious about it. Karen Gillan is very, very good in these. Yes, underrated actor. I- I, I did like Drax laying on the couch <laughs> and he's like, well, why is it so long if you don't want me to lay on it? <laughs> why is it oblong? Nah, like... polite, but I'm, I'm, I don't get it. He also has a good bit when he's like, oh, are we still pretending to be angry? Mantis, you a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have mixed feelings about the Nathan Fillion cameo in here is why. I love Nathan Fillion. It's always good to see him. Sure. He does a very good job. He's going to be a guy, guy gardener. gardener? Yeah. Uh, which is very fun. I'm excited to see that. Uh, he might get killed right away. I'm curious how that's going to go. Well, he is someone who, I think ever since Joss Whedon got announced as doing Avengers, I have at least have been hearing a lot of people go, okay, well, we got to get yeah. Nathan Fillion in here because he works with Joss Whedon all the time. And he's a big, like, he does nerdy stuff. Like, we gotta, people were throwing him around for Hank Pym for a while before the, before we were doing the Ant-Man movies officially. People were throwing around for Wonder Man, Booster yeah. Gold, like, all these different ideas and time just kept passing. And I, I don't know. It might've been scheduling. It might've been just whatever reason it didn't happen. So then we finally get Nathan Fillion in the MCU. And I was like, I kind of, he's still good in this. He's still very funny talking about it, it, the guy he works with. He's like, he's like, Oh yeah, I got, I got one of them too. He's still Nathan Fillion, but yes. it's like after all of this, and this is not the, the MCU. This is just the, the fandom because uh, fandom is great and it doesn't hurt art. Um, <laughs> but he, after all this, I'm like, oh, I kind of want to see him play like, a like a like an MCU character. You know sure. what I mean? But yeah, maybe he maybe is, the Guy Gardner stuff. He was also in. He had a cameo in the first one, as like um. I don't remember if it was like he was in makeup or he did mocap or if he, it was literally just a voice. He yeah, to um, some degree, yeah. But it's a it's it's the big alien who I think gets Groot. Uh, Groot sticks a, a branch up his nose. Right, uh, right. In the first one, in the kiln scene, um. Yeah, you know, I I kind of agree. It's like, it would be nice if he had gotten some sort of role in the MCU at some point, but this is a really funny role. Yeah. it's I think it's pretty a pretty iconic, not maybe not iconic, memorable cameo. Yeah, it's still a um, lot of fun. And despite what we may think about the undercutting of Drax being shot, Nathan Fillion's switch there from like, I'm kind of a jokey guy to, I am yeah. now a somewhat credible threat, is, is quite effective. Um. You know, I still, I still like him. I, I, 
I had something. Never mind. Oh, it'll come to me. Oh, it was. I was just going to say it, it. It's kind of like how so much time passed that we couldn't cast the Uncharted movie correctly because I just always wanted him to play <laughs> Nathan Drake. I was like, yeah. that's him. Let's <laughs> just get filling in. But you know, is what it is. I I do really like that entire sequence just from the set design. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of um, juxtaposed to my issues with some of the set design in the uh, the climax. Um, I, I really like just this weird, like, flexibility that's, like, organic matter that's just kind of, like, grown. I, I and, and, like, th- those ridiculous suits that Nathan Fillion and those guys are wearing, like, all that stuff is, like, yeah, yeah this is, like, the weird space opera that I've, I was, I paid to see. When I was, when I first saw the outfits, I was like, these are kind of silly. They look like big tardigrades. And then I went, this probably exists in one of the Marvel comic books. <laughs> like, this is probably very accurate. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. For once, I got nothing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, uh, John Murphy was the composer for this. So, he did replace Tyler Bates. Murphy. Which is interesting because John Murphy did the Suicide Squad score, which I really, really like. There's there's a couple of moments in there that I think are really good. Um, he also did Kick-Ass. So... Yeah, Part like of, Henry Jackman did kick ass. He, he's in the okay. He John was, Henry Jackman. He it's it's composed with Henry Jackman, Marius Devries, and Ilana Eshkiri. Probably messed it up, but he's in. It was one of the you know when like uh, Snyder was making DC movies, you know back then, and <laughs> like uh, they made the Amazing Spider-Man two, and they were just like, just get musicians in. Hans Zimmer is gonna just like get a crew. <laughs> Hans Zimmer's like, stuff. okay, I got this. Da 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 da. All right, go nuts. Yeah, Hans Zimmer is like, hey, if I get these guys, will you pay me money? <laughs> and, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's one of those kind of things. But yeah, yeah, I do like that well, James Gunn, similar to Nolan, is like he's always auditioning people to be in his movies. His, his later movies because like daniela melchior from uh suicide squad is in this yeah um sean gunn is is fine mm-hmm. and he's in it uh and uh jennifer holland's in it i, I thought maria bakalova was kind of funny as cosmo i think the yes i'm not a bad dog joke was a, a little overdone but she I sells noticed. it <laughs> <laughs> i was cosmo is the one cosmo and i guess uh craglin are the ones that we haven't characters we haven't really talked about um because they're just kind of like in the background yeah. doing a bit part um when i like cosmo's great we didn't suddenly try to make craglin like a massive character yeah he's not part of the guardians right he's just a guy um we do get yondu we can see yondu for a second which is yeah cool. a little glimpse of yondu um he gets a good moment at the beginning where adam warlock's invading and he like has a, a build-up of like this is my time. And then yeah. he shoots him and like, or no, Adam Warlock doesn't even grab it. Just, like, it. it just like bounces off of, off of him. And he's like, who did that? Uh, <laughs> who threw that? At very me? good. <laughs> early, early moment for yeah. Will Poulter. Um, but yeah, I, I really like them. I, I think Cosmo is, uh, very lovingly went rendered, um, gender swap. No concerns with that. I think she's really funny. Uh, the actress whose name I will not attempt to recreate. Uh, Maria Bakalova. Uh, and it ruined my childhood to change the gender, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, aside from that. Uh, but uh, she gets some really great moments because there is the like bad dog jokes, but then she also squishes Owl Man? Hawk, hawk guy? 
uh with uh with two big pieces of right. nowhere and <laughs> yeah. then also like holds together nowhere while they're evacuating the high evolutionary ship so really good stuff there uh, nowhere had a big old gun nowhere had a big eye gun yeah. yes she sounded kind of like tally zora of Os normandy from mass effect that was great it's all good stuff because <laughs> uh, that is cosmo's deal should just be like i'm here i am the guardian of nowhere for the most part and i can do really powerful stuff but mostly i just want to hang out on nowhere yeah <laughs> uh that's that's all very good um i really like there's a little bit where they're playing poker with uh it's it's the two of them and the not the collector uh it's the guy that they try to sell the power stone to in guardians yeah um and howard the duck uh is back <laughs> uh, like i like that we collect these little like random bit characters and it's like yeah. yeah they're back they're all they're all hanging out yeah they're all here um they that's, weren't that's killed nice. when uh when Thanos destroyed uh, Glenn Close and John C. Riley's planet. Yeah. Yeah. They, they made it out. Uh, it's fun. Um, I did have a couple other just kind of weird things that pop up in the movie, and I wanted to get y'all's thoughts. Do we have an issue with them just blowing up counter earth and it kind of just gets brushed to the side? It is a little like, no, we're heroes, but we, but Groot killed them all. <laughs> it is a little a little iffy, but sure. I'll take it. Yeah, I, I feel like that might be just a step too far. I would have I, I feel like there needs to be some other thing to push us into the third act that's not blowing up a planet of innocent creatures. I think it it at least ratchets ratchets up the like attitude. Like everyone's already kind of like this guy screwed up rocket this is awful we yeah. we hate him but i think it really like raises the level of everyone being like oh we need to kill him or <laughs> we need to yeah stop him um yeah. i mean to be fair i mean th this is going back to like the original star wars i mean they blow up yeah. the planet in that but i think but... they they call back to it a little bit more in this they they reference a few times like you're a monster um i like that his crew the high evolutionaries crew turns on him yeah uh and then he basically just has to kill them all and try and stop the guardians himself. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, that's a nice moment to continue making it feel like a real universe and the world building helps there. It's like, Oh no, some of these people do have some level of conscious where they can't like keep going along with this forever. Um, but yeah, it is a little extreme, especially because we see a lot of those characters uh, I was thinking about the fact that one guy just had the worst day ever because Drax clotheslined him off his motorcycle. Yeah. And then you see him just lying in the road like, oh, <laughs> for a little while. And then he blows up, <laughs> presumably. Like, is, I almost yeah. wonder if, like, before Gamora took off, if she, like, tried to get as many people sure. on board as possible or just, like, yeah. something to at least, you know, pay some lip service to it. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask, because uh, I think we made fun of this when we were talking about Shazam, and I specifically called out uh, Shia LaBeouf going to Autobot Heaven in Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, the greatest movie ever made. Mm -hmm. um, is it a problem that Rocket basically starts to go to space heaven? I think the... Because no, it, it, it yeah. is the exact same scene from Revenge of the Fallen and also Deathly Hallows Part 2. I think it... And I haven't seen those movies. I have seen Revenge of the... Wait, I haven't seen those movies. 
But <laughs> it works for me in this one because I think just the emotional I think it's one of those things that like this is this is meant to evoke an emotional response and it is, so therefore I accept it. Yeah. And I think it's also like is this rocket I mean maybe maybe he is going to space heaven. Is it only is it his brain right. giving him catharsis? There's not like a there's not a conclusion there and also there's not like I get I mean maybe you could read the movie a certain way where it's like oh because like Lila tells him no you have to go back that like unlocks some hang up he had that was preventing the the healing from working it seems like the way it plays it's also just kind of like I don't know you know maybe it's supposed to be ambiguous um versus like Harry Potter he he dies and then <laughs> he comes back which i guess that's because like the horcrux magic i don't know yeah, love um professor dumbledore and... is this all real or is it happening in my head yeah, yeah of course it's happening in your head harry but why does that mean it's not real yeah yeah ah yes dumbledore um... always helping the children <laughs> uh go back up there and murder <laughs> <laughs> touch my nose i'm santa that's my double now, impression now you go and kill that bald man <laughs> yeah. um and then what was the oh yeah revenge of the fallen i guess it's kind of a similar deal doesn't he get like some sort of transformer powers he comes back with with the the codex or something doesn't he the, the MacGuffin like reconstructs itself so he can be the one to resurrect optimus yeah. Who yeah. then goes on to kill all the bad guys? Yeah, um, it's so it, real dumb. It it is a like this is a internal struggle, whatever it is that Rocket is having. Yeah, that he's brought back from, and he gets some sort of closure out of it. Versus like, oh, magical things happened, and now you have more powers. <laughs> like, I mean, I think that makes it work a lot better. I mean, maybe it's similar to like James Gunn's music choices where it's like, yeah, you can do something that might seem cliched, you know, in theory, but in the context of yeah, the movie, yeah. it works because he knows when to place it, when to use it. And yeah. kind of uh, the the general tone, it gets pretty close to being yeah. right, even if there are some glitches, like you said. Brent. Well, it's one of those things that tropes are something that people have associated. People have a very negative connotation to the word trope. A trope is literally just something... It's a it's it, it's a common thing. It's just a thing that, that is done. You can say yeah. it's a trope to have characters fall in love, right? Like it's just it depends on. And I feel like most trends, be they in rom coms or action movies or whatever, it's like, oh, the villain speech at the end where they reveal their entire plan in action movies where that where where you don't like the action movie very much. Those scenes do feel like, why are you doing this? when you buy it and you're having fun with the action movie, it's like, great. Now we get this big speech. It's amazing. Yeah. And it really is like the, the things that work in die hard and plenty of other movies don't work. And I think yeah. that's what's happening here is guns. Like, Oh, I know how to, how you said, it. I know how to play it. I know when to stop it. I know how to, how to wrestle with it. So like, I, I think people, people like to feel smart and they like to be like, Oh, I've seen that before. Therefore it's bad. <laughs> it's like, no, hang on. <laughs> right. Um, I absolutely love the ending. Um, sure. Dog days are over. Everyone starts dancing. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I feel like that could have been super silly and stupid and like uncomfortable. Just like everyone just starts dancing. 
but it really works and you really feel like the jubilation in that moment. Um, and I really like Drax starting to dance because that, that is one thing that is threaded through. Um, I can't remember if he talks about that in the first movie, but he definitely talks about it in the second movie. He's like, yeah, my people don't dance. That's why I fell in love with my wife. She hated dancing as much as I do. But then he, he actually dances because he's with these kids and he's trying yeah. to cheer them up. And like there there's a bit where Nebula just kind of like screams um, and she's just like super happy. Yeah. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. This is real good. And then Mantis walks off with those creatures that like eating batteries. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a nice moment, too, to, that yeah. happens in the third act there where they tame the monster that they murdered mm-hmm. <laughs> or the yeah. same type of monster that they murdered at the beginning of the second one. Well, yeah. I like seeing this Chris is... Pratt go back to, to back to Earth and see his grandpa played by Dr. David Downey from Chicago Med. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that's good. <laughs> it's it's a little weird that they don't that really there's another ad- chicago med actor i've mentioned him <laughs> it, it's but a little just... weird that they don't really talk about the fact that hey uh peter did go back to earth it happened in endgame are we just <laughs> whatever um because they, they make a big deal about like i i decide i i have made a decision to not go back to earth and i'm like well you you did though you is did it go- is he for the funeral in Endgame, yeah, he's Just in for the, the final battle on battle. Earth, and he's at the funeral. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh. Um, but I, I don't know that that, that was a weird it's to me. sort of like it's like uh like I've I've never like been to New York, but I've I've been through New I've been to yeah. the the airport uh mm-hmm. by new york you know it's like it's not the same it's like it's you like, go back to your hometown but you don't see your family just like get some chicken and leave yeah like yeah, yeah i have been back but i didn't like go back it's just weird and, and this is more of a a, a critique of end game it's more just it's weird that star lord never says anything about it like i feel like that should be a bigger deal to him than it is in that movie um but it is cool because they show uh peter's grandfather very briefly in the second film because mm-hmm. when Ego is starting to to do his his sci-fi magic and it's destroying everything, like they show it on Earth and his his grandfather almost dies and they show like a reaction of him surviving it when it's all over. Um, and it's like it's a very quick thing and you wouldn't notice it unless you actually like you follow the behind the scenes stuff and all that. Um, so it's cool that they actually like, oh, if you're going and watching all three movies right. in a row, that actually works now. Yeah. That's not just like a weird, oh, that's a very weird edit. Was that his grandfather? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the after credit scene where it's just him sitting there eating like some some Honey Nut Cheerios or yeah, whatever. Talking about mowing the grass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I really, I, I like where this leaves off. And I. I have heard some people complain that the fact that the Guardians split up feels a little rushed. Um, I don't feel like it's rushed from Peter's perspective or Mantis's perspective. Um, and like from that, I feel like everyone else just kind of follows yeah, naturally kind of out of that. There. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. I feel like it makes sense individually for those characters. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm fine with it mantis mantis is fun um they haven't announced palm for uh for anything in the dc right not yet gun hasn't stolen her away well she's uh, technically in the suicide squad is she what is it 
Oh, it's like a background character because there, there's the scene where oh, they go yeah. to the bar. Yeah, and she's one of the singers on stage. Oh, okay. When Polka Dot um, Man loses himself in the crowd, <laughs> he's yeah, doing yeah. that great dance with his hair flipping around. Yeah, um, Mantis uh, is a character created by comic comic book writer Steve Englehart, uh, who's like a one of the big like seventies comic book writers, and he took Mantis across like three different companies. <laughs> like he, he kept like he made I believe he made Mantis for Marvel, and then there is like another character that he introduced. After he was like, man, after he had Mantis and Marvel be like, I have to go back to my people. Uh, it kind of like pulled her into a different direction. And like, <laughs> I believe I, I need to, I'll probably double check myself on this, but I believe he pulled her across multiple franchises. So it'd be great if she showed up as whatever that character is in the DC world. Sure. <laughs> Something along those lines. She's going to be Adam Strange. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and Mr. Miracle. Yep. It's a good movie. Yeah. I, I this is um this is definitely within my top five sure. MCU movies. Like despite all my reservations. Yeah. Um it's it this, is Doctor Strange one, Thor one, The Incredible yeah. Hulk, Iron Man Iron Man three. Yeah. <laughs> Iron Man three. Yes. Which I like more than Tyler. Honorable mention anyway. Age of Ultron. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, this is my favorite Guardians movie. It's probably my favorite James Gunn movie. Um, yeah, I. Is the it your favorite Zoe Saldana if... movie, or is that still The Losers? I've seen that. <laughs> I just that unlocked something in my brain. I'm like, I have seen that, haven't I? I think Jason Patrick's the bad guy, probably. And yeah, I bet he's yeah. not. Yeah. Speaking um, of Dylan um, <laughs> are we grading it? Are we ready? Yeah, I, I think I'm ready. Go. Go. All right, I'll go. You said you were ready. Yeah. Uh, I'm giving it an A minus. I will. Which also, is yeah. this which is the same grade that I gave I think Infinity War and Civil War. So Eternals is still better than every everything. <laughs> Tyler, what's your uh what's your business? <laughs> I'm going A plus. Hey, there it uh, is. Walking in. I think this is I, th- I it probably needs to settle more. The movie came out not even six months ago, um, so I need to to let it cool a little bit because it is. All- There's also an, an effect of like I'm very excited about an MCU movie again. Right, this is nice. Um, so I have to let that settle. But I I think it kind of smooths over some of the things that stop me from being like Guardians Two is my favorite MCU movie. Um, I definitely I I feel like it's in like my top three. Uh, with up there with Infinity War and Endgame. Um, I'm also just a sucker for the big, the biggest, the biggest movies. Sure. That's not true. No Way Home is not like my most. Yeah. I like it. It's not super high. Uh, I'm also, anyway. I'm also going to go A minus. It's very good. Um, Mantis, the, the character formerly known as Mantis, appeared actually across four different comic book. <laughs> she was in <laughs> East of West. She, no, she, she, she showed up, and these are all like minor appearances. But she showed up in DC as Willow, uh, as Lorelai in Eclipse Comics, which I don't think okay. still exists. I could be wrong. And then as um, uh, oh no, then okay, then she was still Lorelai in uh Image 
comics. Okay. And then she uh, was in Bone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, they could do it. Be a legend, James Gunn. Um, <laughs> what did I give Guardians to? Plot Probably didn't A plus. I'm gonna have to be like that a long time ago. Let's see. Well, what, the first Guardians movie I gave a B minus. You gave it a B. Uh, Britain does not have a score for the first Guardians. I've done a recommendation for that. Oh, have you? Well, I forgot to write it down then. I apologize. I don't remember what it was, so go ahead. <laughs> um, we'll go back and find Don't worry it. about it. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I gave it a B, and you gave it an A-. minus. There we go. Okay. That's that's good. That's what we want. Uh, uh, Joseph, that Thor Ragnarok is looking me right in the face. C+, plus <laughs> and I like it. <laughs> All is right in the world. Eternals is the best of the bunch. Britain, do you have a, a recommendation for that? Hey, I well, do. I, want to talk, I wanted to talk about the MCU a little Oh, yeah, let oh. Tyler talk about the future of the MCU. Oh, let's talk about... Is this a mini-review for uh, <laughs> parts it's not a review, of Secret it's Invasion? A preview. a preview for episode one of Secret Invasion. <laughs> Look up into the stars, <laughs> oh, is- Alex. What's to come? <laughs> it's cloudy <laughs> that that star is a scroll and i don't think the implications are very impactful or interesting it's it's just cloudy one with star a... in the sky he goes like <laughs> it's cloudy with a chance of ai tyler what is the future of the mcu look like oh no because i i just feel like they're in a weird spot where i really think that as, as time goes on it becomes more and more clear to me that like Phase three, the real key was um, having Marcus McFeely, McFeely writing those like key major ones. Made because they did they do Civil War? I'm not making that up. They, they did. did Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. Uh, and then also obviously the Russos are on all of those, and the Russos start with Winter Soldier, where it's like, yeah. I feel like you really got to have that like core creative voice. It's something that happens in the comics a lot, where like. If you don't have one series that's like, oh, this is the thing that, you know, everything else is kind of centering around for Marvel or DC, then it's like things feel a little bit aimless. Um, so, I mean, I, I feel like and I uh, we talked a bit about this, I think, with uh, Quantumania, where I'm like, are they just auditioning directors at this point? <laughs> like they they seem happy with um, Dustin Daniel Cretton. Uh Remains to be seen on Nia DaCosta and Matt Shockman, who Matt Shockman, maybe he'll get to make his Fantastic Four movie in 2027, depending on how long the strikes go on. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's it's a weird mix where it's like you had the pandemic really disrupt things and that's not helped anything in terms of their budget and like release times. They like had to pack a bunch of stuff into weird timelines and like. The, just the actual production of movies during COVID was really expensive. And then they run into the writer's strike kind of on the other end as they're trying to settle down. Uh, and then they've got all these shows running around where Secret Invasion just seems to be the most universally disliked MCU product. Yeah. Uh, I'd have, I don't, 
I mean, can't yeah. think of anything else that like outside, has ha- Quantumania right. had its defenders. I feel like well, and outside of like ones that are getting review bombed by like trolls and stuff, where you like, yeah. where people are like that there are not problematic conversations going around against this. People are generally like this I, isn't working for me. I have I, not. I, let's let's throw in the caveat also of stuff that is firmly under Feige's control. Sure, because sure, Inhumans yeah. is probably yeah, actually yeah, yeah, the uh, worst thing. That's true. Maybe um, Iron Fist. Yeah. I've seen um, it all. <laughs> but like Yeah, it's weird and it's like wh- maybe Loki season 2 will be really good and they'll start leaning on those guys. I want to say the writer for Loki also did Multiverse of Madness, which a lot of people were iffy about but we liked. So, uh-huh. you know, maybe they'll stick with him, I don't know. Um I think he also but, or, No, I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of Quantumania and Rick and Morty had a share. Yeah, of yeah, voice. that guy is allegedly maybe no longer involved in in cu properties as is probably uh the director of that movie's name i've already forgotten peyton reed todd phillips uh <laughs> yes peyton reed um so i don't know it's it's really i feel like the longer they go without finding that like hit because yeah. it's like okay you got james gunn now he's going uh wakana forever was good yeah, but Kugler's that, always kind of been like, I'm, I'm, like, do, I'm in this corner. I'm doing yeah, Kugler's steady. Is that going to be the thing that is he going to be the person you you stick with? Because I feel like you got to get, I don't know. I think it's really having that like director writer pairing yeah. to be like these are the people who kind of have the creative vision for how to make sure that these things actually work when they all come together. And uh, the longer it goes on, the more I'm curious and concerned about what they'll land on. This is the secret invasion is the thing that's I think been most like, huh? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Could this all go wrong? <laughs> uh, but it's also, I think, probably a good thing that DC maybe will get its act together and then carry on from there to give some competition to Marvel and make them be like, ah, crap, we got to make these things like really good again. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I'm not like doom and gloom in the way that I think a lot of people are like. I think the TV shows have really marred their reputation because if we were looking at just Quantumania as like the big stinker, uh, Love and Thunder, I think, was at least more divisive, more accepted by some people. Yeah. Uh, then I think probably people want to be too freaking out. But like, right now, it's hard to see what's the what's the path forward for like handing the keys to the kingdom to other new new people that you're bringing in, and like how how are you going to make that work? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I've stayed away from several of the disney plus shows and i think i'm probably going to keep it that way i might watch loki but i don't Mm -hmm. know what else i'll get near i don't Um, even know what else we're getting at this point like i don't know what what the next things are but my point is like that could be like my read on the mcu right now is very mixed like right down the middle because in the past like two or three years i've gotten some of the best mcu i've ever seen with like eternals and guardians 3 but i've also gotten the worst that i've ever seen with love and thunder and quantum mania so i'm like right down the middle and i've had stuff that leans you know it's it's more average but i like it maybe like no way home or shang chi's a, a little bit better than that and then you've got kind of going the other way where it's like black widow and yeah um so um or even like Wakanda Forever would be more on the Shang-Chi side of things in terms of like, it's not fantastic, but it's really solid. And I mm-hmm. do more with that, please. 
Um, so like there, there's still a lot of potential there, but I, f- I feel like I would be more pessimistic if I really like dived into all the, the Disney Plus yeah. shows. Yeah. I feel like I would be like, I'm, I'm even more tired. I already feel tired, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just, I'm no, I'm done. Thanks. Yeah. I just imagine, um, uh, James Gunn is <laughs> Toby Stevens at the end of die another day and he's got the parachutes. And one is one is labeled DC Future, and the other one is labeled Marvel Future. And Kevin Feige's on the ground, and he goes, "Oh look, parachutes for the both of us!" And then he throws out the Marvel Future one, and he goes, "Whoops, not anymore." Did you enjoy watching me and Tyler try to remember that scene from Another Day? <laughs> I was like, eventually it will click for one of you. Of us. I mean, you, you gave the context. Yeah, it works. It works fine. It is interesting because I think the most interesting stuff that they've got left really is the cosmic stuff. Like I want to see, I want to see this Guardians team and like whatever they're going to do with Fantastic Four. And, well, there's like, apparently half a Celestial sticking out of the ocean somewhere. Yeah. Nobody's talking about it. Do something with that. Yeah, you know, it's going it, to be a bit, theme park. It's going to be a theme park, Alex. They're going to turn <laughs> the dead Celestial be... into a theme park. Get okay. ready for it. Uh, here, here's my pitch. What what's the name of the the big celestial who like get scoops up all the Eternals at the end of the first movie? He's like I w- I'm gonna judge you because you messed up my plans. Dennis is it, is it, is it Arishem? Yes, I believe it is. Okay, I want Eternals two Electric Boogaloo to be a giant cosmic courtroom drama. <laughs> yeah. I want them to pull in Charlie Cox to be the defender, <laughs> the defender for the Eternals. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> and Lee Pace is the prosecutor. I call as a character witness <laughs> Kit Harrington. We brought him back. He's still here, folks. He's I got a my sword. sword now. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And Marshall is here too. Why? I mean, yes. we'll take him, but why? <laughs> it really is like they they spread all these seeds so thin that they're <clears throat> With the writer's strike, there is just no way that they can actually, like, pull them all back together. Yeah. Like, some of them are just going to have to drop at some point. So I'm just, like, actors will move on and stuff. Like, I'm I'm curious how well, they'll play out. Well, I mean, they'll move on until eventually uh, Marvel finds need for them again. Sure. Like, I, I know um, Harrison Ford is obviously uh, a General Ross now, but hasn't, um, isn't Liv Tyler coming back? I think that's been rumored, suggested. I mean, Tim Roth. Yeah, yeah. that's a good example. Like, yeah, bring it back. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe there's just, they're gonna they're gonna Incredible Hulk this whole phase and just be like, we'll eventually get back to this, but or, we don't um, like what we've done right now. Or they'll bring back Tim Blake Nelson. Isn't he coming back mm-hmm. too? I think that's rumored. Yeah, yeah. I think they're like, all right, let's finally do some stuff with that movie. Buster Scruggs himself has come to the MCU. <laughs> There we go. Sure, Delmar is back. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not super optimistic, but at the same time, I'm like maybe they 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 surprise me every once in a while. Yeah, I liked Multiverse of Madness. That's that's one I forgot. I liked that one a lot more than I was expecting to. So I don't know. We shall see. Um, I think I did. I, I do want to float this idea. This is my last note, and then we can actually do recommendations. I just wanted to make sure we got over two hours on this podcast because it's been a while, you know? We're sure. in range. Um, <laughs> uh, I I do believe... Is it is it Sean Levy that's doing Deadpool 3? 
Yes. Do I have is. that right? Uh, director yes. of Free Guy and other things. Um, the Atom and Project. I forget, I forget who's writing. Yeah, Atom Project. <laughs> I forget who's writing that. But oh, he also Tyler. he. It's not being written. <laughs> well, it's but it's it's Ryan Reynolds and him and I think others. Um, Tom Stoppard. Sure. Uh, but Sean Levy did some Stranger Things yeah, that I yeah. liked, even though I did not realize that it was him. Like he did know, that in museums as well. I liked. He did none of the museums. I liked Free Guy. Um, Deadpool three is gonna be. It's gonna have the No Way Home effect. We're gonna get all those crazy Fox X Men characters. They're gonna get a lot of weird stuff going on. But this time it's aimed at me. And this time it's I'm be for the Alex. sucker. Alex is gonna watch it at least twenty times. So there's like four hundred dollars for you right there in the box office. I, I'm gonna um, walk out of that movie and be like, I'm the bad guy. I hated this. Give me twenty more tickets, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's gonna be, you know, one James of James Marston was in it. <laughs> yes. Colin uh, twenty Colin. more tickets, please. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I think it really is gonna do the No Way Home thing. It's gonna be like, oh my gosh, this is the biggest thing. They're making fun of the MCU, they're doing weird stuff, we're getting like some of that Secret War stuff is being set up finally in a way that like seems more fun. Um, this is how we get Sean Levy directing Secret Wars. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. Just accept it. They haven't figured out the director yet. It's going to happen. Um, I think I had floated this by both of you before, and you both reacted as if it was like new and shocking information, which I think speaks to the the sort of revelation uh, representing it. Uh, just it, it washes all over you again. So. Everyone should prepare for that. Um, and I'm, you know what? Why not? <laughs> Let it happen. Let it happen. Let them fight. Uh, Britton, what's your recommendation? Hey. That you've um, been sitting on for 30 minutes. No, I I recommend standing up for yourself and watching Chicago Med, even if your friends hate you for it, because uh, it makes you happy. And it's important to do things <laughs> that make you happy, even if that means watching Chicago Med, despite your friends <laughs> kidding you about it. No, 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 no. Let's let's be clear. We do hate you for this. It's, they do an episode. They do an episode after a very serious episode. They do an episode that is so wacky and fun and stupid, and I love it. No, my. Do rec- they have a musical episode? God, Alex. Oh my God. No. I've I've, I've Yet, heard that maybe. I've heard this is all the rage now. I hear Star mm-hmm. Trek is doing a musical episode, which sounds totally right for that franchise. With, so I just with, uh, Kurtzman behind it. How can it fail? Um, and Akiva Goldsman. And Akiva Goldsman. Uh, more like Akiva Gold Record. Ah. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, enjoy Chicago Med quite a bit. My recommendation: I did watch a movie from 1998. It's Meet Joe Black, directed by Martin Brest. Alex, stop giggling. Um, it's a movie that is, in in a lot of ways, I find it lovelier than great. Um, it is three hours long, as in literally 3.0. Um, (laughs) and it is about this, uh, businessman, very successful businessman played by Anthony Hopkins, who, as he nears his 65th birthday, is visited by Death, who has taken on a human body, uh, in this case, Brad Pitt. Because he wants to experience life and he wants to, you know, eat food and have conversations and see what, what life is like. And so uh, over the course of this, he does that. He tries peanut butter and loves it. And uh, he begins a pos- possible romance with Anthony Hopkins' daughter, played by Claire Forlani. And it, it, it is a movie that I think 
there are two big caveats that I have, which are there are two sequences that are over the top, but still very earnest. So they end up just feeling silly. Um, it's a, it's a very, I think it's a very amusing performance from Brad Pitt. He hasn't quite, he hadn't at this point quite gotten to the point where he was just hitting like Ad Astra, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tree of Life, like just knocking them out of the park left and right. But it is a very amusing performance. And at times it's very, very funny. Like he, he can be very funny in this movie. But there is a scene where to to comfort a woman who is, I believe, Jamaican, he starts speaking in like Jamaican dialect to her Good. in the yeah. accent. And that's a little it's funny, but I don't think it's supposed to be. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like the scene in Miracle on 34th Street with the Dutch girl. But like, stop it. <laughs> um, and then the scene where the character played by Brad Pitt, who dies so that death can have this body. That's kind of cartoonish. Um, but uh well, the thing I like about the movie is that it, it feels like a very old movie in that the scenes are long, like they play out. The takes are long. The camera rests on the actors and lets them make facial expressions and react to each other and gesture and think. And you don't get the sense that like it's just actors doing a line of dialogue cut, line of dialogue cut. You get to see Anthony Hopkins like make facial expressions and gesture and kind of like Westworld, like. It's a really beautiful performance from him. And Westworld, I think, is incredible. But this is a movie that's more like watching a great musician play a perfectly fine piece of music where you're like, this is not up to his standard, but I'm getting all the things that are great about him. And it's so easy to appreciate what is great about him, even if I know that he's been in better things. Um, they're both really good. Jeffrey Tambor is actually quite lovely in it. Marsha Gay Harden's very good. Um, and Claire Forlani gives a really good performance. And full disclosure, she is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in a movie in this like jokes aside she is astonishing and always has been to me i just am completely in love with her in this movie and so that's why one of the reasons i've watched it more than once but it really is a movie that to to appreciate and brad pitt's you know pretty good looking guy himself uh to appreciate what he and hopkins are doing in this movie is is really interesting they actually work pretty well together so it's a movie with a lot of tenderness the ending takes too long um but it's just lovely. And so, you know, get out there. You, you don't have to watch it in three hours to get it. Chop it up. Do it however you want. But I, it's a movie that I've had in my life for a long time, and I, I'm, I'm quite fond of it. So meet Joe Black. Britain, she, she's not going to ex-post you back. <laughs> I can't imagine Claire Forlani's online. <laughs> that would be bizarre. And hopefully I, not on X. I, honestly. I, I do... I do appreciate that within the past several weeks, <laughs> both Britain and I have stated our Hollywood crushes. I've been stating my Hollywood crushes for years on this podcast. Uh, but, but but like specifically like yeah. the, the number one for each of us. And then right after that is a joke about how they're not going to reply to us no, no, on social is, media. Yeah. This is specifically, I realize that because yeah. I, I believe in that time, Twitter has turned into X yeah. for those who I are not you're aware. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Little does he know that at at the best sleepover in the world, um, and by this weekend, Rachel Vice and Claire and I are like, oh my god, I'm talking about you. Here we are talking about you. All right, Tyler. And they both kind of sigh and go, but Tyler's married, <laughs> and then go back to their <laughs> handsome, accomplished husbands, um, Daniel Craig and Douglas Adams. <laughs> <laughs> writer of <laughs> uh, <laughs> Galaxy. Claire Falani's like, yeah, we don't have a lot in common, but there's always towels. <laughs> I believe 
probably he's passed away. I could be wrong. Quite possibly. Who knows? Point being, all right, it's lovely. All right, Tyler, it's fine. I get it. I know why you skip Small Soldiers. Your 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 Hollywood crush is is uh, Kirsten Dunst, the I, tennis I mom it. who kills dolls with flaming <laughs> tennis balls. I was, I was going to better say, answer. Well, I, uh, copy paste. <laughs> I was going to say Tommy Lee Jones. I don't. I mean. That's all. Listen. <laughs> Fair. He says jump. I say yes, chef. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Alex, do you have a recommendation? Um, not not double a uh, dead ringers. The TV show where you get two Rachel Vices. I should watch that at some point. Well, well, apparently not. she's maybe, great in it. Apparently she's. Uh, but. But maybe it's one of those things where it's so creepy, I, you know, the attraction will be gone. But even aside from that, apparently it's like a brilliant performance from her. Uh, I, I already, I already talked about it earlier. Uh, the Guardians Holiday Special will will be my my recommendation. Get um, I think it works even watching it um, not during the holiday season. Um, and also gave me the backstory that Mantis is actually Peter's kind of sister, which. It's kind of just casually mentioned throughout Guardians 3, but is never actually explained. So that's where that explanation comes from in case you haven't seen it. Um, it's just quite a bit of fun. There's a lot of great just musical numbers that, I don't know, It's it, it, it tells me, it, it just lends a lot of um, uh, credence to the fact that James Gunn just has a ton of range where he can just do mm. this fairly kind of sweet, just like, relatively simple you know christmas holiday story um which still has kind of the small flourishes of like his more more demented sense of humor i guess um kevin bacon's quite a bit of fun on it he's not in it quite as much as i expected he doesn't get quite as much to do as i expected but he gets a wonderful musical number so when you say musical numbers you mean more than one yes there's more than one all right there you go. I'm glad we're close enough to the holidays that I can wait to watch it then because I I I, yeah. I missed it last year, so I'm gonna have to grab it this year. It's it's also 45 minutes, so I didn't okay. feel intimidated watching no. it before I started Guardians Three. Sure. I was like, okay, I can manage this. Yeah. So yeah, it's quite a bit of fun. I uh I played a game called Death Door, uh, which is like Baby Dark Souls. Okay, it's cute. And I enjoyed it. It's like a two-person development team, which is pretty impressive. It's very polished. Um, it's not like a super long game. I think I beat it. I feel like it ended up taking me like 10 hours, maybe a little more than that. Um, and it was like, I haven't 100%ed a game in a long time, and I did for this one. It was like attainable enough and also interesting enough to keep me going for all the extras. Um, really, really neat, fun little game. There's some like, there's some like very indie game humor that's kind of like, eh, okay, sure. <laughs> I get it. You kind of yeah. have to put it in there, but basically you're playing as a as a crow uh, and you're going around and beating up some some big bosses and stuff. And there's some really cool boss fights that are. I think the the challenge and the difficulty is pretty spot on, especially if you played a lot of the Souls games and have a good grasp of it. It's kind of neat. It's like a isometric angle to it, uh, which bothered me less than I expected it to. There were moments where it kind of was annoying because it's a weird angle to play at, but. Uh, really neat little game. I don't know if it would actually work very well as a introduction to like a Souls-like format because I feel like it gives you less stuff to less options to be able to kind of like figure out how you want to play it. Um, there's like mostly just like three 
main weapons you can choose from and you can level up a little bit but it's not drastically changing your your characters and your build or whatever um but it's neat and i am impressed by it and i applaud it i haven't played a souls game but that actually just went on the ps plus free for this month Ooh, there you so go. i was i was try. tossing it around i might have to grab that yeah hearing you that's funny interesting interesting uh kismet there there we go uh next week we're watching money plane that's right <laughs> we're gonna watch um <laughs> we're not watching money plane I'm no sorry. we're gonna we're gonna watch the plane trilogy it's gonna be um snakes on a plane money plane and then uh is it was it just plane what's the one with the really silly title plane. yeah with jar Butler. is it just plane yeah yeah oh my we'll god that would or, be or, amazing or alternatively if we want to be a little more clever we could finally watch red eye that's true. Wes Craven sure. did make that. And it's got Kelly Murphy uh, in it. Oh. You talk me into it. Uh, but we could all... did Now, Gerard Butler... Oh, we could uh, watch nonstop I, with Liam Neeson. There you go. <laughs> I ask this every time. Gerard, Gerard Butler yeah. did White Hawk Down. He's in The Fallen. The Fallen <laughs> movies. White House is... White. Olympus has fallen, etc. Olympus has fallen. He did that. There are three of those already? Yes, sir. So we don't have to insert plane to get us to four. No, we just have those three. Okay. We've got those three, but we can. But watch we can plane. We get to treat ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Man, sna- oh my god, snakes on a plane. Doing a bunch of like goofy plane movies sounds so good. Um, <laughs> do we want to say what we believe we are actually doing next week? We can. Uh, we are. It'll help, me, <laughs> it'll help me process it. We are entering the. You're, you're gonna, I'm gonna be. You're fine. gonna be the one who's happiest about I'm, I'm this. I might be. I you very really well will. Be. I'm. I'm calling it now. Um, we are watching uh, and reviewing Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. Uh, we have entered the period where we are now just waiting for stuff to show up yeah. in a way that we can watch it without paying twenty bucks to buy it. Um, on some sort of sites somewhere. Uh, so you know things will keep popping up, and probably we'll get a little weird with the schedule. Um, we'll have some absences coming up uh, for everyone except Britain, <clears throat> who will be the stalwart. Uh, but next week... Keeper of the flame. Yes. <laughs> next week, if all goes according to plan, we shall be doing Transformers Rise of the Beast. So yeah, if you this... want to hear us do that, uh, you can find us online at herecomesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on X uh, at Here Come the Sequels. Uh, that's not even... At HTT Sequels. There we go. Um, you can find us on spotify i think did i say here comes sequels at gmail.com is our email you can find us on spotify and apple podcast all the good stuff spotify apparently has ratings now for podcasts so like get on that you know good for i mean no one's rating us on apple Podcasts, so i guess everyone's just listening on spotify that's gotta okay, be what yeah. it is so now you have no excuse go, <laughs> go rate us there yeah i have not the only transformers movie that i've reviewed on podcast is bumblebee now if this transformers of the beast Transformers of the Beasts has uh, a robot that throws a chain around another robot, pulls on that uh, chain, and the other robot explodes. We might be talking. I I will say I and we'll mention this on the episode next week. I when I was growing up, loved the Beast Wars cartoon animated show, loved it so much. Um, that's being brought into this. That might help me love it. It might hinder me. Sure. Only uh, only time will tell. And the All Spark. But in the meantime, uh, Chicago Med will keep you comfortable. It always does. We warm, don't hate you a for warm it. Blanket. It's uh, quite the contrary. It's endearing. <laughs> no, I know you don't hate me for it. <laughs> uh, 
Go you watch Chicago Med. Hey, Eric, you got you got a you got a freebie from me. I've been Alex. Season three finale. <laughs> I gotta see what goes down. All these crazy <laughs> happenings. It's not that crazy. I've been Britain. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have been Tyler. Uh, and you're I don't I don't have any cl- anything clever. You're you're having a good night. Go enjoy a pizza. In the pizza room in Chicago, Matt. Also, I do remember in the last episode, they hinted that a character's dad might have an evidence dungeon and be a serial killer. So it might be the best show ever. 